football season isn't going the way we wanted to. Some things you can't rely on. Some things you can't trust. Marcos Garza is not one of those things. I'm proud to partner with him for the Reeds Ranch podcast. If you find yourself or a loved one or a friend needing legal representation this football season, do the smart thing. Trust the Garza Law Firm. He won't let you down. He won't overthrow you. He won't underthrow you. He'll just throw it to you. 865-540-8300. That's the phone number. Online 24-7 at GarzaLaw.com. GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyer, criminal defense lawyer, and personal injury lawyer. Before you say guilty, say Garza. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. Eh, eh, 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. It is not a victory edition. It is a sad boy edition of Reed's Ranch. It is Tuesday, September 19th. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. It's good to hear your voice, as usual. Not as sweet as it usually is, though, I must imagine. (laughs) Well, no, I guess not. It was good to see you this weekend, however. Likewise. Even in the face of defeat, seeing you is still so sweet. That's right. And all the other people we saw, it was a... Great Saturday in Gainesville until it wasn't. Until about 7.38 Eastern Time, if I imagine. Then it became a shitty Saturday in Gainesville. And unfortunately, unfortunately our fears of our quarterback came to fruition. Yeah, yeah. We said we could score 30 points pretty much no matter what. We scored 16. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let them have it. We We scored 16 points. He ran out of bounds. We scored 16 points. I... What is there to say? Like, uh, <laughs> you sound at a loss for words. I am. I am. I am. I am. I'm. 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 I'm blown away. I'm stunned that he that Josh Heupel fell for it again. Because, like, the first time, okay, whatever. Harbaugh fell for it before. I mean, Hooker was atrocious that very first spring. Okay, whatever. To fall for it again, it's just it's it 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 beggars belief. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me that two years later. We are sitting in the same position that we were. I, I, I mean, in a lot of respects, I don't know. I, I, just, I am speechless. I am. I am. I guess I, I just. I can't believe he fell for it again, John. If you get into the chat room and get catfished, and they take all your money, or. 
You get into the chat room. The Sting account says they're 19 and then immediately tells you they're 13. You got to quit talking to them. You can't keep going and doing it again and again and again. You got to disavow. You got to protect your money. You can't go to prison, whichever analogy you like better. And yet our coach, our beautiful baby boy, Josh Heupel, has found himself swindled. He has found himself with uh, a camera crew coming up to him and asking, what are you doing here? You knew the situation. You knew he was inaccurate. You knew he couldn't run your offense fast enough. Why did you show up at this McDonald's, sir? Do you want the Milton Mill? And you're having to stumble around and be like, well, you know, I thought he was going to change. I thought it was real this time. And man, at practice, the passes are so pretty. And he, he told me he was ready to lead this team. Yeah, I know he fooled me before a couple times. But this time was going to be different. Well, newsflash. It seems as if this time is going to be the same as it always was. I just I want to ask you one question that I've thought about a lot. Go ahead. Ask me as many as you want, buddy. I want your, just, your genuine opinion. Let's just say Hen and Hooker start Saturday night. Do we win that game? Uh, Yeah. Okay, to me, it's no question. To me, it's no question. Yeah, to you, me, you dominate that game. To me, so first of all, I would like to say that I think that the nonsense about the wide receivers, the freak out about them was overblown because to my eyes, which are now 2020, thanks to, thanks to Big God creating LASIK, we had dudes running wide open. Um, and I just think with Hendon, we would have just, we just ran streaks all night and, we, and you know, I, Hendon will keep the ball on the zone read. Hendon can create. I just, it was to me, no question. I just wanted to know what you think. I just wanted to know if maybe if I, if you know, you know more about football than I do. So I was just curious for your take on that. Don't ask because, me questions like that because I think we'd have won with Nico. Okay. Because to me, I was just, to me, it seemed like we, we housed them. Now, you know, like our defense still would our, our defense still would have lost their damn mind, and we'd still have defensive backs out there who refuse to tackle and all that. So I'm not saying – I don't know if I can say we housed them because – Yeah, 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 house might be strong. I thought – you know, we talked about it on the spaces on Wednesday that, hey, we we think if we score first – I said I think I believe I said my confidence goes to 95% that we win. We not only scored first, we also blocked a, a kick right before that. And then went down the field like it was 2022, like Hennon Hooker was the quarterback. And as the game went on, it just, you know, kind of settled in of like, yeah, of course, we went down the first drive because those things are very scripted and there's not a lot of game fill in those. It's not a lot of it's not a lot of reading defense. It's not, it's not a lot of this or that. It's just a scripted set of plays. And of course, the offense looked really, really good. But for the moment of the first drive on, our offense looked like shit. It looked terrible, and I've just been mad about it. I've just been mad about it because I don't want to like make it a quarterback only problem. But for me, it, it is a quarterback only problem. <laughs> Thank you. Thank it, like it is. It, you Thank know, the defensive you. backs didn't tackle. I, I get that, but like it, the only thing that matters is the offense. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, like, I, the, my issue, one of my biggest issues with the defense is that it, it's not even the tackling box. Okay, it's like, look, if you're going to – they let the other team score in the wrong manner, if that makes sense. Like, if you're going to suck, they need to suck fast. Just let them score real quick. And then, two, I just – we sat back in zone against Florida. We sit, we sit back in zone again. I hate us sitting in zone. I don't even understand what the point of our defense is. To me, I thought the point of the defense was to hold hold them. You, you just, once you get to the red zone, you bow up. You only give up three points every now and then. You get, you get, get some sacks and you force some turnovers. It's not really about, like, letting up a lot of points. Like, you're going to let up some points, but you're going to create turnovers. You're going to hold them to three points every now and then, like, but then we just, like, what drives me crazy is that just let them score quick. 
Well, we fucking did that all right on the on the long 60-yard touchdown run and on the drive after Joe Milton's interception. They scored pretty quickly, I'll say. Yeah, but, like, the first drive was just so – I mean, like, Florida wasn't even trying to throw it. Like, I would like to know in terms of – I'm not talking about in terms of yardage. I'm talking about in terms of airspace covered via the forward pass. What's the, fur, the furthest distance Graham Mertz threw the ball Saturday night? Like, the furthest in the air he physically threw the ball. I think it was the, like, probably 16 yards he threw on that third and 12 scramble, uh, scramble to the side where he dropped a perfect pass on the sideline on third by the and way, 12. By the way, the best pass he's ever thrown in his career. Yeah, yeah. Bar I would say that's the furthest he threw the ball down the field. Absolutely. That pass, like, I was seeing, like, black on the edges of my vision. I was so angry over that pass. But anyway, it is entirely on the quarterback, correct? I'm glad we agree on this. It's entirely on the quarterback. Like, the offensive line doesn't have great players. There's a huge issue with Josh Heupel's recruiting. Okay? He he does nothing but, like, recruit offensive guards. You know, I mean, he can't recruit a center. He's had three years to recruit a center. He hasn't recruited one. But all that being said, it... Is entirely on the quarterback. It's entirely on the quarterback. I, like the offensive line issues go away with a good quarterback. Let me rephrase that. With a, I'll just say a good quarterback. I'm not talking about somebody awesome like Hinton Hooker, who clearly, by the way, was a maestro. I mean, it just a good quarterback. These offensive line issues go away. We talked about our fear of Joe Milton in the pocket. You know, I imagine if you go back and listen to our podcast after the Orange Bowl, that was a concern we had back then when everyone else was talking about how good he played. I was like, ah, you know, still doing that thing where he's standing flat foot in the pocket and not really feeling any pressure. No awareness against Clemson. And that's what you see just in every facet of his game, just no awareness. And no feel for an offense. Everything is one read or it's trouble. There's no improvisation. There's no helping your offensive line out. Like, go back and look at the Florida box score from last year. Hooker ran for 112 yards, I believe. I think he had 13 carries for 112 yards. That one running play Hinden had where he was about to get sacked and somehow came out of it and then just used his blockers really just, I mean, perfectly and got like the 50-yard gain down the sideline. One of the best plays he had all season. In a in a season filled with amazing plays, one of his – an incredible play. Yeah, I, I just mean, keep just, coming back to – you know, today the press conference with the offensive coordinator kind of set me over the edge for a little bit. Or it really just made me like scream internally. Internally, not eternally, although I might scream about that game for eternity. When he talked about how Joe's operating at an elite level, then what the fuck is the rest of the guys doing? Like, what is the offensive game plan? If Joe is operating at an elite level, what is the plan? If he is operating it elitely, how bad is everyone else? How bad is the game plan? How bad is this offense overall, if that's the case? Do we, do we really just need busted coverages? Do we need defensive backs to fall down? I don't understand because I saw a guy – that scored nine points over the final, like, 48, 50 minutes of a game on Saturday. A lot of it in the second half, garbage time. You know, I saw an offense that came out and used two timeouts at the, you know, the first drive of the third quarter. Of course, two timeouts that we would have loved to have had at the end of the game. Like, I saw all that happen. I saw another dumbass fourth and one stop. Hey, Heupel. The inside handoff's not going to work on fourth and one, man. A straight handoff. It didn't work against Pittsburgh at 21. It didn't work against Virginia. Do something different. Do something different. And I realized that going under center against Virginia didn't work. It's because you turned around and handed the ball off to your third best running back. Maybe get this big motherfucker under center and just push him forward for a first down. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. And I've just been frustrated about it all. So, like... If, if people want to tell me it's not Joe Milton, then I'm really going to have questions about Josh Heupel. And I would prefer not to have questions about Josh Heupel outside of what Seth asked at the beginning of the podcast. 
how do you keep falling for this? I understand how the fans fall for it. I understand how they fall for Joe Milton. He's very handsome. He's very strong. He's very fast. He can throw a football 85 yards. He can throw an orange 130 yards. Plus, we want to believe. Fans want to believe that you're going to just be better than you were. People want to believe that this offense cannot be stopped. Blah, 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 blah. I understand how the fans fall for that. But just, just coming out and just looking like you have no game plan, looking like you can't do the one thing this offense is supposed to do, which is go fast. What the hell do we do all offseason? Why are we so bad on the road? What happens against LSU if they don't fumble the opening kickoff? Like, what What are we supposed to do here? Because you got your ass kicked by South Carolina. Y- you didn't look good at all against Georgia. Much less them, like, handling us in the trenches. I can live with them handling us in the trenches because they're Georgia, and we aren't at that level. But, like, we looked poorly coached in that game, too. We had so many false start penalties. If you want to be a top 10 program, which I think we all want to be a top 10 program, some of us, you know, I think before Saturday, you could have said we were back to being a top 10 program. The problem with that is you have to go on the road when you're a top 10 program and everybody you play on the road is going to want to beat you. You can't go in and beat yourself and put yourself in a hole before the other team even does something to you. That's bad coaching. And I would like to say the bad coaches is because you have a quarterback who can't run the offense, which, you know, that's a whole different story. But I would rather blame the quarterback than blame the coaching staff. It makes me it makes me mad seeing Michael Penix Jr. He's like a yeah. fifth or sixth year guy. And look how much better he has gotten over time. Now compare that to our sixth year guy and ask the question how much better our guy has gotten since the first time you saw him, you know, at, at Michigan playing against Minnesota. It's not much. It's not well, much. Yeah. At the end of the day, Milton just doesn't have it. No, he doesn't. Like it, 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 it's just it's okay. But like, yeah, like it, it is something you either have or you don't have. You cannot develop feel for the game. Either you have it or you don't. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I don't pay. What Joey Halsley said to me is just stupid, not because of, like, the fact or fiction of it, just just because, like, you know, you're just telling fans that their eyes are lying to them, basically. I don't really – yeah, like, the Volquist guys, the, the week going to the Florida game, mentioned, like, Joe and his family didn't like what was being said. They had kind of gotten – kind of like they were worried about what people were saying about them, and to me, Hosley's just running cover for Joe. But if your quarterback is that, you can't really be worried about what your quarterback is going to think about what people are saying about him in the press. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what it is. I, to me, he's just running cover for him. I don't really pay much. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. and Maybe it will continue all 12 games and they will never throw Nico out there. But if it keeps being ugly like this, I got a hard time thinking that they don't ever go to them. I think I think we're set up for a frustrating game. I, I don't know what percentage of the fan base that will be in attendance on Saturday is frustrated with the quarterback. Oh. But there will be at least 5 or 10% of people that are groaning if the offense gets off to another bad start. I know we only have one loss, but for everyone that watched the Austin P game, that was another loss. So if you come out and have another bad performance, you're going to hear it in the crowd. And I, if if you tell me that the quarterback and his family is worried about what people are saying, that's going to be even a little bit tougher to take if people are groaning and outright booing again. You have no arguments with me. I mean, I would play – you should play Nico immediately. You should start him immediately. This nonsense about the offensive line is complete – and utter nonsense. They suck. Okay, they're not that good. We know this. We've known this, okay? He's been sacked three times all year. Nico's not going to get killed. We we do, we are not playing the 85 Bears. Nico's not going to get killed. As, mean as, Joe as, Green's not going to run out and suplex him by the, by the shoulder and collarbone. And, like, people don't hit quarterbacks like that anymore. He's a grown man. In college football terms, no, he's not a grown man as if he's been in school for five or six years. But, like, he'll be okay. It's football. 
if Shador Sanders could go play at Colorado and like step up in that level and look perfectly fine, I trust that Nico's body will take the hits because Shador doesn't seem very big either. Johnny Manziel was running around when the SEC was pretty ferocious and taking hits. He survived. If little ass Johnny Manziel could survive and thrive, I'm okay about Nico, who's 6'6", six, six, what, 220? He'll, he'll be okay. Yeah, it's not like Nico's squirrel. Can we quit this? Like, Nico's not squirrel. I just, I as Chris Kilby pointed out, in 2021, we were playing Ollie Lane and Dane Davis, and it wasn't an issue. It's not an issue now. It's not an issue now. It's just our quarterback cannot process things fast enough. That's I'm not saying Joe's dumb because I don't think he's dumb. Like it's just we're talking about we're talking about a matter, you know, of of, of half a second, a second. Like he just can't quite do it fast enough, and that's okay. What I truly believe, Seth, is that he has had the strongest arm his entire life. And he can always get the ball where he wants to go, and he has zero ability to anticipate throws. And in his mind, he doesn't throw it until the guy's two yards clear because his arm strength can, you know, his arm strength can overcompensate for that or compensate for that. He can still get it to where it needs to be because he's that strong. Other quarterbacks have to throw guys open sometimes. Other quarterbacks have to throw. They throw the slant pass or the post pattern before the guy's actually broken in. Joe always waits a half second too long because his arm strength will zip it in there. He has no feel for the pocket because of that himself. Everything has always been kind of, uh, the gap has been made up for because of how strong his arm is. He cannot play the quarterback position like a cerebral quarterback because he's always had a physical advantage. I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. There's a reason that interception, like I swear, I know everyone makes fun of that pass. Squirrel White was open running butt naked past the secondary, if Joe let it, lets it rip and launches it high enough to let him run under it, it's a touchdown. Instead, he holds it a half second too long, sidesteps into the defense, and gets hit because he wanted to make sure Squirrel was 10 yards clear versus throwing it when he's even or even like in front of this defense and lets him blow by them. If you think back to every one of his deep passes, they're all wide open. They're all wide open, or at least, you know, the guy's got two steps on it. It's not like he's giving the guy a chance to, you know, go up and make a play. It's either wide open or he doesn't throw it is what it seems like to me. I said it after the Virginia game, like, on that same pattern. He was a second late on that, and it yeah, causes yeah, a touchdown. Yep. Yep. The, the pass across the middle of the field, there's a reason Squirrel almost gets killed because he waits too long to throw the ball. Did you see the angle, his arm angle on that pass? Uh, I, did not. I did not. I mean, he threw it, like, three-quarter arm slot. Like he's a reliever coming out of the bullpen. As he's stepping – into the defender. He doesn't step into that throw. You know, it was just well, a bizarre. Because his arm bizarre, strength can get it there. It was bizarre. Um, I Maybe I look at this. It's hard for me to put myself in Joey Halsley's shoes or whoever's shoes. But if 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 it is halftime and it is like 10 to 7, I got a hard time believing they don't give Nico a shot Saturday. I could be completely wrong. I probably am wrong because I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this from my point of view. But I just don't know. Like, what I hate, what I hate, is that the second half of the game Saturday, Florida does not even try. They don't even try. How humiliating! They came out there with a game plan that they weren't going to throw it more than 15 yards at a time. And then in the second half, they just said, we're not even going to try. We're going to throw four passes. He threw four passes in the entire half. They didn't even try. So what that second half allowed Tennessee fans to do is it allowed Joe to pat his stats a little bit, to make some nice throws. It allowed the defense to get some stops and say, look at the, look at the adjustments this guy who is making $1.5 million. He is making $1.5 million to coach defense. He can't even stop men in motion. He can't even stop men in motion. Now, I do not know much about football because I never played, but sitting up on the moon Saturday night did give me a good bird's eye view. And I cannot even begin to properly articulate how out of position our defensive line and linebackers were on these run plays, which, by the way, Florida ran like three plays. They ran like three plays, and they all worked. All three of them worked. They would just hand the ball off. They would 
man in motion. They would toss the ball to him, and they would hand the ball off. And our line and linebackers, like to say that the run fits were poor is putting it mildly. But anyway, the second half, it allows cover. I wish Joe would – could he just come out there and just throw three picks so there could be no more, like, hemming and hawing about it? But instead, like, he just doesn't throw enough. I mean, this sounds stupid, I know, and I don't hope we lose Saturday. But I hate the fact that, like, he was – Florida just quits, and so he's allowed to just – do enough to justify for the coaches to get up there and justify. People can say, "Well, look at the look at the the adjustments the defense made." When Graham Murch threw four passes, I about stroked out when we were running zone defense. I cannot stand to watch these dudes run zone defense. They aren't any good. Just blitz. Just bring the house. Don't sit back. Especially, like, I mean, Florida ran all that motion, and we didn't move because in zone defenses, you're not necessarily supposed to move, right? Like, you're watching your zone, so you don't follow your guy across the field because then, theoretically, your side of the zone is now wrong because you followed over. That also lets the offense know that you are in zone defense. So, typically, smart defensive coordinators will have dummy trails, and then you just kind of adjust, and you... You know, you have to just kind of compensate for that with other guys taking different zones. But instead, we just stay stand put, let the defense know that we are completely in zone, and that makes things very easy. I don't know at the college level how many people, how many defensive coordinators do other things. I don't know how how uh, mature or complex defenses are. I know in the NFL it's not that simple where you could just run in motion and just like, hey, Here's a dead giveaway. Here's what we're going to do because those guys are smarter and those players are better. But that's kind of what's going on with the motion there. But it's also tipping the hand that we're in zone, and it makes jobs a lot easier for the offense, and it makes, you know, run blocking a lot easier. It makes receivers going five yards down the field and turning around a lot easier. And that's why they could just dink and dunk and run down our throat for most of the game. And then we can't tackle, which makes it worse. Like, for as much as we're talking about Joe, like, I really do have a problem if Kamal Haddon plays again. Why? Okay, I, I, you know, I have been thinking that, you know, There's no way you can sit there and watch the film room and say, hey, man, great effort. You're giving your all for Tennessee. Fuck that. There has to be somebody that's a freshman or a sophomore that may not be as good. I don't care. I want somebody that comes in and wants to tackle somebody. It wasn't even like it was a business decision. I understand if you're a defensive back and there's a big-ass Derrick Henry-type running back coming at you and you can't really get him down, so you don't really go put your body on the line. On that long ETN touchdown, all you had to do is just jump on his back, bro. All you had to do is jump on his back and wrap up and take him down. That's all you have to do. It wasn't like you met him in the hole and had to say, I'm risking my neck and CTE for this, so I'm going to make a business decision. It was just, hey, here's a shoulder bump. Allow me to give you a little boost of momentum so you can get back up to speed to outrun me. And then I'll just fall on my face instead of diving. That's essentially what happened. And if you're in the film room, if you're Tim Banks, if you're Josh Heupel, I don't care who it is making the decision, somebody has to look at that and say, hey, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. If ever, I, if ever there was a player that, that you could just say, he doesn't see the field again, it has to be Kamal Hyde. I mean, Ryan Shumpert, the nicest guy on planet Earth in his podcast, post-game podcast, Saturday night, Sunday morning, is just ripping Kamal Haddon to shreds. I mean, even the journalists are just ripping Kamal Haddon. Like, I, I truly, how on earth do you play him again? There is no justification. He, he should never, he should 1,000% never see the field again. I would... Play Ricky Gibson, play Jordan Matthews, and play Christian Conner. If they suck, you know now, and you can go get somebody else. Like Bob said in the chat, people don't want Nico to play because they're afraid he's going to suck. And first of all, I think that if Nico wasn't ready, that UT would have put that out, and they would be shouting it from the rooftops for for like the at least 
for the last two weeks, we would have heard nonstop that Nico ain't ready. But nobody's saying that. Nobody is saying Nico's not ready. Like, what Austin Price said today was, I've not yet heard that Nico ain't ready. That means he's ready. Because if he wasn't ready, as bad as it's been and as bad as it's going to get, UT would be on the mountaintop shouting down that Nico, however you say his last name, I'm still not sure, isn't ready. But nobody's saying that. Everyone thinks he's going to be a baller. I mean, I I just, maybe people are afraid that he's going to suck. I'm not afraid he's going to suck. Personally, the, like, the idea that he sucks doesn't even, shouldn't even be that big of a worry anymore. Because there are one million quarterbacks available. There are one million quarterbacks available now. Like, the portal has, has, has created all this parity, and every single one that's good in the Pac-12 is a transfer. Except for Dante Moore at UCLA, who's a true freshman, who was a five-star. But every single one. That five-star can play, apparently. Yeah. Chip Kelly's not afraid to play that five-star. Cam Rising, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, not your traditional transfer, I know. I mean, I'm sure DJ Ugagalungale is playing better. Um, Arizona's quarterback, uh, he, you know, he transferred from Washington State. I know he had a ton of turnovers against Mississippi State, but he's had a pretty good tenure at Arizona, too. Um, and before you start screaming at your radio that the Pac-12 doesn't play defense, A, UTSA doesn't play defense, and B, I don't know if anybody in the SEC plays defense anymore. Like, it's does not anybody like you're thinking play defense, of the mid-2010s when it Who comes defense? to defenses. Nobody. Georgia. Georgia, that's Michigan, it. Michigan, maybe? Michigan, maybe? I don't know. Maybe Michigan. Texas got pretty good defensive line. I'll say that. Sure. If you play Texas and where you play Alabama, sure. The uh, the defensive line is going to whip you. For as much as we talk about the offensive line on Saturday, Joe got sacked one time, I believe one is time. the stat. You know, he got one crushed time. on the interception, but he got crushed on the interception because he held the ball in the pocket for five seconds. I, I just get sick of people saying you can't play a true freshman because he'll get, like, you'll, you'll hurt him. He's not going to get hurt. He's a football player. This is not 1985 where, like, every freshman was an automatic red shirt anymore. You play you play your true freshman immediately. You have 36 games with Nico Iamaliava, and you've wasted uh, three of them. You've got 33 games left. Instead of playing him, you let a 29- or 30-year-old defensive coordinator who was a quality control coach at Georgia in 2019 Shove it up your ass. Okay? He shoved it up your ass. Austin Armstrong shoved it up your ass. You had a chance to really do something to Florida that you've never been able to do because if you beat them like you ought to, there's a really good chance they're hunting for a new coach going into next year with a brutal schedule. And instead, you gave them oxygen. Does it matter? I don't know. It might not matter in the end. I don't know. All I know about Billy Napier is that every game I've ever watched him, he sucked except for the two times he's played Tennessee, where he's coached his damn ass off in both of them. It's extremely tiring, but that's Tennessee, Florida. I just, the offensive line, all this talk about the offensive line, it's just, it's complete, it's running interference for the issue. We know the issue. The issue has not changed in two years. If you want to talk about Tim Banks, let's talk about him. Fire his ass. Fire his ass right now. If I was that bad at my job, I would be fired. Everyone that's listening right now, unless you, I don't know, maybe your dad is like your direct boss and it's a two-man operation. Otherwise, if you are as bad at your job as Tim Banks is, you would be fired. Do not run interference for him. He is making $1.5 million. Maybe $1.4 this year, $1.5 next. He should be fired on the spot. Willie Martinez should be canned. I thought that the linebacker coach has done a pretty good job. But if, if if they can't figure out men in motion, fire his ass too. Fire everyone but Rodney Garner and the meathead that coaches special teams. I don't give a shit. Fire everyone on defense. They suck, but that's not really the issue. I'm sure Tim Banks of the defense thought that they just needed to get four stops. That's what they were led to believe. Hey, just come up with four stops because we're going to score a bunch of points. 
20 touchdowns in eight quarters. Shout out to Stair for the stat. I could he posted it the other night and I couldn't remember. He just posted again. 20 touchdowns in eight quarters. What is that stat? That's the that's uh that's Florida and South Carolina. That can't be right. Wait, that's not right. Stare, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, I kept seeing I kept seeing that stat. I, I don't know what – that can't be right because, I mean, they didn't score. I just now realized what I said. 20 – no, it's not <laughs> They right. didn't score 140 points on us. Yeah. When well, you, you posted that. The, he posted the other night and it wasn't 20 touchdowns. But I've been, I've been thinking about it this whole Bruce time. Or, and I could, Bruce or cut that out. Cut yeah, out. Well, you can leave it in. I don't care. I, I messed up. It was well, a lot. Gonna, How, a lot. Go ahead. We, we got our ass kicked on the road. How about that? Fire Tim Banks. Maybe it's 20 touchdowns in 12 quarters. I don't know. But Georgia didn't scrap many touchdowns either, so that can't be right either. Anyways. At Knox Strips, our mission is to improve the health of our community through the utilization of IV hydration therapy. IV therapy offers a wide range of benefits that cannot be ignored. Whether you're looking to improve your immune system, stay hydrated, or get over that game day hangover, you can be confident that our passionate and experienced team at Knox Strips will have an option that fits your needs. We are mobile and proud to serve Knoxville and the surrounding areas anytime, day or night. To learn more or book an appointment, please visit knoxstrips.com. Let's get to some Patreon questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. The fellowship on Saturday was undefeated. We'll do it again before the South Carolina That's game. it. 13 touchdowns in eight quarters. That's it. 13. That sounds a little bit more believable. Stare. I think Stare likes to, you know. You know, he likes to hit the devil's lettuce a little too much, if I had to guess. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. <laughs> Shout out to uh, some new patrons. Got a new $10 patron, Darian Reesover. Oh, hold up. Oh, producer, cut that out. Darian Reesover. Shout out to Brother Darian. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 patron, Ben Hoffman. Shout out to Brother Ben. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 patron, Spencer Maloney. Shout out to Brother Spencer. We love you and appreciate you. And Parker Pewitt upped his pledge from 5 to $10. That's rich. That's rich. He wouldn't give me a hug on Saturday, but I'll up his pledge. Thank you, Parker. We love you and appreciate you. Hit me with some questions. Do you have any questions? Yes, I was in the wrong channel. I was in the, li- I was in the live chat channel. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, Brother Tech Vol, aka Milton has AIDS, asks, which player do you... I'm not even asking that. Brother Big Orange Sloth for both. Is Joe the problem or is Joe a symptom of a greater problem? What do you need to see in the next two games to feel optimistic again? The next two games? <laughs> I need to see Nico Iami Eliaba. Yeah, I mean, like if Joe is all of a sudden going really fast and is a completely different quarterback and can move around in a pocket and decides he wants to run again and quits trying to sell me hey dudes then maybe we could talk the most frustrating part is like now is the perfect time to make a quarterback change with a young guy you're playing UTSA and then South Carolina then you get a bye week before you play Texas A&M you got you got a month to get this guy you ready got you got a month yeah. you got a month to get this guy ready to go down and play an Alabama team that might be the worst Alabama team we've had since you and I were in high school. Well, I don't think it's a debate. It is the worst Alabama team we've had since me and you were in high school. You could still win the East. You could. I would. I would like to interject for a second. You're allowed. Joe Milton. Joe Milton is selling hey dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a. No, you, uh, you've got to be shitting me. You have to be kidding. Those are the worst shoes in the world. I hate them. I hate them. He's selling hey dudes. You got to be joking. They are so lazy looking. Well, today he posted on Instagram from no, Dick's oh House of Sport. Love Dick's House of Sport, a proud sponsor of my radio station. But he is slanging uh, orange and white UT themed hey dudes. And they also disabled the comments on the post. Every redneck at the Theo Vaughn show in Memphis a couple weeks ago that I went to with my best friend Luke. Every redneck, you know the top, I mean, like the Columbia PFG, like mesh hats. The, the blue jeans, even though it's like it's July, why are we wearing it? every every one of them had on Hey Dudes. And me Do they and all Luke, have black t-shirts on too? 
me and Luke were just pointing. We were just pointing. We, we wouldn't even say anything. And Luke's wife was getting the only action, too. We were just pointing. We didn't have to say anything. Another pair of hey dudes. I hate them. I can't even imagine Joe Milton wearing a pair of hey dudes. I hate them so much. I hate them so much. Disabling, disabling the comments. That really tells you all you need to know. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. I don't even remember what we were talking about. Next question, please. Brother Dash, Joe Milton's son or thought daughter? <laughs> A great question. Who do you who do you have to defend more to your to the to the to haters to detractors? Uh, I feel like I might take the thought daughter. You have to defend the thought daughter less, even though I would probably rather have Joe Milton as my son than a than a dirty whore for a daughter. It's 2023. If women want to have sex, that's fine with me. I support women. Feminist John over here. At least, at least they won't <laughs> let me down. At least I know what I got. They'll be consistent. What you see is what you're going to get. Brother Stare has, has come back. And he says 16 touchdowns in eight quarters in big road games. Nine Carolina game, three in first half of Georgia, four in first half of Florida. Now back to the hash pipe. Thank you, Brother Stare. We love you. I love you very much. I love you, and we appreciate you very much. Uh, Brother Barrister Vall, who I believe is the last man on the island. He is the last man. He is He is the last guy. He, he's the last guy defending Joseph Milton III. If Joe has a great game, per whatever per whatever definition of great you want versus UTSA, and we secure a no, victory. No, the answer is no. If it's I'm just not. the UTSA game, no. There is nothing he can do except strangle Nico at midfield to show that he's the alpha of the team, to put him down like a like an aging lion in a pack. The young buck is here to ready to step in, and he takes him down and slays him at midfield. That is the only way that he can earn my respect to be the leader of this team. I don't give a fuck what he does against UTSA. Army, yeah. Army scored th score on their first six possessions they, against they them. They scored on every possession, every single no, possession. No, 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 no I'm they, thinking, they, I'm thinking they, they punted twice. They punted twice. They punted. Oh, twice. they punted twice against UTSA. Okay. At the end of the game. At the end of the game. At the end of the game. Okay, because I, I swear I heard Andre Ware say that's five possessions and five touchdowns. Oh yeah, no, no, they scored on their first six possessions. Okay, okay, okay. But they punted on, I think, possession seven and possession nine. So, no, with all due respect, there's nothing he could do on Saturday to win me back over. Ask again in the South Carolina game, and maybe I have a different answer. But not no, this week. No, 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 you won't. No, you won't. He'll have to. No, for you, I will say the only way is if he looks good against both South Carolina and AM. And by good, I mean good. I mean, this offense is humming. It's going fast. We're scoring 40 plus points. That is factually correct. You are right. It has to be both games. Brother Marwan, aka Wheezy, asks What do you think the Titans' record before the bye will be, John? Well, everyone uh, left my quarterback for dead. I was a little worried, too. i got to be honest, Ryan. But it goes back to the conversation about Joe, too. In today's age of football, your quarterback has to be able to move around. He has to be able to be athletic and, and to feel pressure and to not be a sitting duck back there and to get out and pick up some first downs with his legs. I thought Tannehill looked awesome. He had a, you know, a, a triple option keeper, 20-yard touchdown run that got me pretty fired up. So we're 1-1 one one now. we got four games left before the bye week. They'll be favored in the next three, won't they? They are they're underdogs in Cleveland. They're, they're three-point underdogs in Cleveland, which, you know, sign me up for that. I, I think we can easily beat Cleveland. I am worried about our offensive line blocking their defensive line. But their offensive line sucks, and I think that we can create a lot of pressure, much like Pittsburgh. Because I understand Pittsburgh defense might be a little bit better, but I think that we can still bother Deshaun Watson, the nasty man. He looks terrible. Cincinnati, uh, in, in the Discord, we got the nug that he is headed to IR, and by he, I mean Joe Burrow, so that's a win. That's a win. No Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. At Indianapolis, you know, I got to admit, I'm a little worried about that one just because Anthony Richardson's running around making plays. He looks pretty good. And then in London at Baltimore, 
everyone said they would love to have at least gone two and four the first six weeks because of how easy the schedule is. I think we go at minimum three and three. I'll say four and two. Four and two by the bye week. I will say from looking at this schedule, the Titans will be four and two. Okay. You heard it there from Seth. Four and two is not out of the realm of possibility. I, I just think, I think we'll drop one of them. And I hope that my, uh, you know, our source in the Discord was right about Joe Burrow to the IR. There's, I believe it was a short term IR. I'm going to say the Titans will be six and two going to Tampa Bay. So then they get Atlanta out of the bye week and then at Pittsburgh. Okay. I think our offensive line might die blocking Pittsburgh, but we'll see. Okay, Pittsburgh's defense did look pretty good. Last Their night offense is terrible, though. Their <laughs> offense is trash. Man, Kenny Pickett. Pick Oof. Yeah, so, uh, you know, sign me up for 6-2 and two going to Tampa Bay. I'll take 5-3 and three going into Tampa Bay. And that's very reasonable. Speaking of Kenny Pickett, Brother Marwan, okay, Weezy has another question. He gets asked two this week. Why do you think quarterbacks are seemingly having a down year in the National Football League? Well, I just think it's cyclical and that a lot of these uh, – the offense got so far ahead that then everyone decided, hey, we're just going to put two safeties back and we're going to make everybody throw four- and five-yard passes. And that's just hard. That's just hard. And I also think that there's got to be something to teams just completely not playing starters in the preseason – where offensive lines have just sucked at the beginning of the year. Everyone's offensive line is pretty much getting destroyed. Like, I don't know if we just got a, a plethora of elite defensive lines and elite de- uh, defensive linemen, but it seems like everyone can bother the quarterback right now. That's what it seems like to me, at least. Plus, I don't know how many good quarterbacks we have in the NFL right now. Especially if you're going to tell me Burrow's going to suck. Watson's going to suck. Mac Jones is going to suck. I mean, those are all guys. Aaron Rodgers is out. All these guys are at least supposed to be, like, competent. Justin Fields sucks. I don't know. That's what I would blame, but... Typically, the cliche is always that the defenses are ahead of the offenses for the first, like, couple games of the season, and then offenses catch up. There's got to be something to the preseason thing, right? I would think so. Brother CB asks, what were each of y'all's favorite plays in the secret Florida playbook? Whatever the first drive was, just uh, throw the ball to Keaton one-on-one, to uh, throw the ball down the field to, I don't even remember who had the first catch that was so far down the field. I don't know, Squirrel, we ran the switch route. We ran the switch route, which... Velas Jones got drafted in the NFL off the switch route. We used to run it all the time. Then we didn't really have to because we had Jalen Hyatt. I just feel like that is like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that if Hendon Hooker was quarterback, Squirrel White would have like a million catches. Because I don't think anybody can guard him. I, like you said on the interception. Like Squirrel, it's a touchdown. I just, I think Squirrel is always open. I think, I mean, I think our wide receivers are good. I think our wide receivers are good. Do you have a prediction from brother uh, Osama bin Laden? Uh, By what game does Nico start and how many losses does it take? That's the question of the day, and I don't have an answer for that. I hope no more losses. I hope no more losses. I hope it's just like a... First quarter, we give Joe one more chance, and it just it just isn't working. Or at least at halftime, it's just not working, and you're up like thirteen to seven. But I just don't think the coaching staff has it in them. We were wrong, Seth. You said you thought he'd make the switch if we were down against Florida at halftime. Yeah, I did. He didn't even did. think about it. He didn't think about it. Slim, who I went to the game with, got me excited because he came, he said, "Oh, he's doing it." Nico's out, he's got a helmet, and, and Joe's hugging the coaches. He's been benched. And then he goes out on the field. And then he takes us on a 14-play, 40-yard drive and burns two timeouts when we kick a field goal, which, shockingly, we made the field goal. Uh, I, I was stunned. I was stunned. That biggest upset of the night is that our dude, whatever his name is. I have uh, no clue what our kicker's name even is. 
absolutely. I saw he's from Indiana, and he's, he's yeah. good. He absolutely nails nails that kick. Um, brother Jomar Gaddafi asks for both. Which SEC game left on the schedule would you most hate to lose? Uh, it's got to be either South Carolina or Kentucky, right? Yeah, yeah. Pick one. I mean, losing oh, to South Carolina at home, losing to Beamer again would suck. But by the time you actually get to the Kentucky game, losing that game might be a real like, hey, we're going off the rails moment. So I'll say Kentucky, just because if you lose to South Carolina, hanging into bye week, surely to God you make some roster changes. Losing to Kentucky might be like a rock bottom moment for the Josh Heupel era. And I don't want to hit rock bottom. I would like just to be really good. I would like for the boys to play inspired football. At no point did I feel like we were inspired on Saturday night. That's we a problem. Quit. We quit. I mean, wait, they quit. Like, they got punched in the mouth and just laid down. I mean, they didn't quit, but we threw the first punch. Florida punched back. And then we said, now what? They seemed wholly unprepared for the fact that this guy's coaching for his life. They, it's like they totally bought into the narrative that Florida's totally cooked. And also, like, well, Billy Napier wants to keep his damn job. Next question. Brother Dan asks, are you looking forward to Rick Barnes prehistoric basketball until the 2027-2028 season? Rick got an extension with no raise to keep coaching basketball. I got no issue with it. He's... I mean, I don't think they're going to ever fire him. He's going to coach until he wants to retire. So I got no problem with uh, a, an extension that allows him to recruit. Because you got to be able to recruit. You got to be able to tell guys, hey, I'm not hanging it up. I'm going to be here a couple more years. You know, most of the time, most of the time, I, I don't want to say all the time because I'm sure there have been some. I'm sure there have been some exceptions. But at least most of the time, I feel like Rick Barnes's basketball teams want to be out there. Yeah. Most of the times, I know they're going to play hard. And I they just do said, play hard. And I just said I didn't think our football team played hard in the swamp, so I'm at least okay with that about Rick Barnes' teams. Brother Sam asks, how many wins would Joe have to win this year to justify starting him all year over Nico? Ten. Okay. To justify starting him the whole year? No, no, I'm not disagreeing. No, I'm just asking, like, is nine and three? Are we going to come out of that thinking, wow, what a fun year that was when we, when we look at our schedule and we start counting the other loss? Because, I mean, let's sure pencil Georgia in. So if you lose to Georgia and Alabama and beat everybody else and, like, we win nine games, is that enough? You have to go to the hey? Capital One Bowl, buddy. Is that enough to say, hey, I'm glad we wasted one year of our best recruit ever and now he has to go into next year? A season where we should be aiming to make the playoff. He has to go in now with no real experience. Is that, that worth is it the, to you? That that is the key to me is what you just said. The twelve team playoff. Everything about Tennessee, everyone and everything at Tennessee should pivot. They should have pivoted Sunday morning. And the focus should be on the twelve team playoff in fifteen months. Aiming for a home playoff game in Neyland Stadium. That should be the goal. And who cares about going to the Capital One Bowl? Who cares? Well, we see that the Orange Bowl didn't fucking matter. So who cares about the Capital so, One Bowl? So, okay, so was it a net negative that Tennessee won that game? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was. Sure. Because no one remembers who wins the bowls. They just remember who are in the bowl games. Going to the Orange Bowl was, en uh, was enough of an accomplishment, really. Yep. And if you lose that game and Clemson doesn't shit the bed, then maybe you aren't so, like, locked in on Joe Milton being your quarterback. And so maybe you do go get somebody better in the portal, like you said last Wednesday. Or maybe you just said, hey, we're actually going to let this freshman take the reins from day one. It's time for you to go pro in something else, buddy. We're not going to bring yeah. you back here. So, yeah, I mean, there, there, like, there were three options. They chose the worst. They should have tampered like hell with Spencer Rattler or whoever. 
you don't get you don't get in trouble for tampering. Nothing happens because no coaches will, will, will rat on you. They should have tampered like crazy to get a transfer quarterback, or just start Nico. Brother Bob McRib asks, would you rather take a loss versus the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners or three straight South Carolina to Alabama to see Nico? Please answer truthfully. I would rather lose to UTSA. For sure, 100%. You're beating South Carolina with Nico, I think. I 100% think that. Yeah. And if I'm going to lose to South Carolina, which we might with Joe anyways, I'd rather lose to the freshman. Nine and three with Joe Milton is a miracle from God at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not gonna happen. It's absolutely not gonna happen. But it's like equivalent with seven and five with Nico, right? Yeah, I say so. Not seven and five, seven and five of Nico. As long as he doesn't suck, goes more does more for your program than nine and three. Yeah, because the only thing that matters is the playoff. In, tw- in 15 months, the playoff is 12 teams. We saw last year what a team that won seven games the previous year, the jump they could make. It could happen again. And next time it happens, you will get in the playoff and you will get a home game in Neyland Stadium. And hopefully, hopefully, your starting quarterback doesn't shred his ACL. So everything about the program should shift to the playoff in 15 months. Everything about it. I can't decide if I feel better or not after there, this podcast. But go ahead and ask Dash's question. There's nothing to feel good about, buddy. Well, sometimes it's just nice to get it out. Sometimes it's therapeutic. I don't know if I feel better. But go ahead and ask Dash's question. Uh, the kids with cancer still want Joe Milton to visit them. Okay. That's a good place to end. I love you. I'll talk to you later. You're still coming up for South Carolina, correct? Oh, yeah, of course. I wouldn't miss it, buddy. Okay. We're going to have to tailgate. We're going to have to tailgate. It'll be fun. I'm. It's a. It was a mild upset in my mind that they didn't put us at noon, that we still got a I night was, game. I was surprised by the time, too. It is SEC Network, so that makes sense, but still. It's more time for fellowship. It's more time for fellowship. I love you. I'll see you soon. I love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, so I got it. Did it so it's done. Another thing I ruined. Used to do for fun Another piece of plastic I could just throw away Another conversation With nothing good to say I thought it so I said it Took it cause I can Another day pretending I'm older than I am Another perfect moment That doesn't feel like mine Another thing I forced to be a sign But sometimes I feel like I don't
Over my head.